There was, uh, I don't even know how many people here yesterday morning here at Prince of Peace. We had a, a parking lot full of people, and we were building walls. You've heard me talk about it and, and Zip talking about it for a while, and I, I just want to tell you two things. One, it was amazing, and two, I am so sore. <laughs> It was awesome. We had wood here, and we had hammers and nails, and we had people putting things together. And in, uh, in a short morning, we built the walls for an entire house that are, I think, already on their way down to Florida to be assembled and put up. We, we framed a house yesterday. It was awesome. And it took me the entire morning to get my section of the wall finished. Don't quit your day job is kind of the message I heard. And I heard it even like as I was pulling into the parking lot. And it was justified. But I, uh, I was working on my section. My section was, was not complicated, but a little bit more complicated. And, and I messed up, and I had to pry boards apart that I had just nailed, nailed together. My ego wants to tell you that there were a couple times the, the, the guys that were in charge messed up, and they told me to do things wrong. But I still messed up, and so I, I had to try things over and over again. I, I probably, well, I, let's just say there were some things I was confessing this morning earlier. <laughs> it took me multiple tries to do something. Has it ever taken you multiple tries to do something? D did you know that there is a story in Scripture where it took Jesus two tries to heal somebody? Do you know that? In fact, I'm going to read it because it happens immediately before today's gospel, and I think it frames out beautifully, frames out, that's a building walls pun intent, come on. Thank you. Thank, some of you got it. Thank you. Thank you. But it frames out beautifully today's scripture. And so listen to this story where Jesus, it takes him two tries. I love this story. And they, Jesus and the disciples, came to Bethsaida and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took, Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes, that's gross, and laid his hands on him, Jesus asked the man, do you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I see people, but they look a lot like trees walking. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Oh, man. Then Jesus laid his hands on the eyes again. And he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, do not even enter the village. I mean, if it takes Jesus two times to heal somebody, I feel like me framing a house twice isn't a big deal, right? Did you know it took Jesus two times? I mean, isn't that amazing? Like, did Jesus mess up here? No, he didn't. In fact, many scholars here believe that, that this healing, which is unique to Mark, right? A lot of the Gospels have interconnectedness and, and stories that kind of are the same stories, worded a little bit different. This one's unique to Mark. And we believe, scholars believe, that th this healing story is right before the, the Gospel for today that I read because it is the perfect setup for the confession of Peter, because Peter had his eyes opened, but he couldn't see clearly. Have you been there? Where you can see things, but not clearly? 
right? Who do you say that, right? Jesus starts by saying, who do people say that I am? And the the peoples knew of Jesus and they heard about Jesus and they saw Jesus and they respected Jesus and they followed Jesus. But most people at this time thought he was some sort of prophet. He He was like a reincarnation of the Old Testament prophets. He was a new addition of, of what was from long ago. That he came anointed by the Lord, but to, to just continue to speak and kind of speak from God's perspective. And then Jesus gets real and says, well, forget about what they think. What do you think? Who do you say that I am? And Peter sees a little bit. He says, you're the Christ. Which is big. In fact, this is the first time in the Gospel of Mark that this name, this title for Jesus Christ is given except for the very first verse from chapter 1 that says this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the first time that the Messiah, the word for Messiah, is mentioned since that first verse. Jesus has been called all kinds of things. He's even called himself different things. Son of God, son of man, teacher, rabbi, prophet, right? Peter is the first one in in the book of Mark Mark who identifies and recognizes, Jesus, you are the Christ. He sees his eyes are open. He's no longer blind. That's a really good thing. But the problem is, he doesn't see clearly, does he? He doesn't see the full picture, like the blind man whose eyes were opened a little bit, but the people were walking around like trees. Messiah, that's what Peter calls Jesus and recognizes him, right? Christ, that's the Greek word for Christos, which is the Hebrew word for Mashiach, which is Messiah. Those are the same words, Messiah and Christ. And the reality is throughout Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, there were lots of people that were lifted up as Messiah. And it's not the Messiah, but lowercase m, Messiah. The word just means anointed, the one who has been anointed by God. There are lots of messiahs, people who were anointed by God. David was a messiah because he was anointed as king, right? But we we begin quickly to understand that, that this isn't just a messiah as the others, right? This is not just Jesus in the long line of the similar types that have come before him. Jesus is the Messiah, which, which is different. N.T. Wright, who's a, a great theologian and author, translates the word Christ as king, that that's the best understanding of what we could have today, that it's Jesus the king. And Peter's the first to recognize it, kind of. He, he misses it, doesn't he? You ever get things wrong? Like you see it, but you don't see the whole picture? Or, or you bring kind of what you want into a situation? That ever happened to you? Like you, you see something's going on, but man, you see it through your limited perspective. And you see it through what you're hoping for, right? Like, if you're a hammer, everything you see looks like a nail, right? 
right? I feel like I should shout out Liz, who was the one who finally drove home the final nails as my arm was falling off at the end of my build. Thank you, Liz. And she did it with grace. And like, it wasn't like a, Pastor, do you want me to take over? It was more like a, here, let me help. Thank you, Liz. <laughs> she saw me in my greatest moment of need. Anyway. So what, what, what happens is, is Jesus celebrates Peter, but he doesn't see the whole picture. What, 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 what is this term? What is this? title mean king messiah christ jesus began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again suffer rejected killed raised those four words Peter didn't associate with king. Because if you're the king, those are things you inflict on others, right? It's not what you endure. But Peter didn't have the whole picture, right? As Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, we see in a mirror dimly. We don't see it all. We don't see clearly. Jesus says, this is what it means to be the Messiah. In other words, to be the king is to be crucified. There's no such thing as an uncrucified Christ. This is why he came. Right, we're in chapter 8 of Mark. The hill of Golgotha is far away, both in time and in space. They're in a different region right now. But Jesus already knows that the reason he came was not to be hailed as king, but to be crucified as a criminal. This is why he came. This isn't a plan B. This is the intent of our Lord from the beginning. From the first pages of Genesis, our Father in heaven already knew that Christ was to be crucified. Think about that. Think about that. He created the whole world knowing the suffering that the son was going to go through. And he did it anyway. He did it anyway. You were formed. Even though the Lord knew that in forming this world, in forming humans, in forming us, that it meant the incredible suffering and the rejection and the murdering of Jesus, the Messiah. And he did it anyway. Why? Because you're his beloved. Because he loves you. 
You're his beloved. He willingly goes to the cross so you might live and be with him. Think about that. That's amazing. This was the plan from the beginning. It's not a plan B. The Father's love for you. is so deep and so vast and so hard and so worth it for him. He thinks you're worth it. Ponder that. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that powerful? This is who the Messiah is. Suffer, rejected, killed, and raised. It's all about Jesus. Peter sees a little bit of the confession. You are the Messiah, right? He sees a little bit. But the Lord has to open up his eyes more fully so he can see clearly this is what it means to be the Messiah. And this is what he does for you. But, but then he doesn't just leave it there. He, he also invites us into the journey. He invites you to partner with him. He says to you, take up your cross. Follow me. Deny yourself. To be human is to give yourself. In so many ways, it's to suffer and be rejected and be killed and be raised. Right? I mean, that, that's what our calling is. Not in the cosmic scale, not in the salvation scale, but I mean, that, that's a little bit of what we did yesterday morning, isn't it? I am suffering this morning. <laughs> right? I mean, it's laughable in comparison to what Jesus did, but, but that, that's part of what we do is we, we choose to live for the sake of others. We choose to love others, even at, at our own falling, right? We, we, we give till it hurts. That's what we're called to do. And, and man, it, can I just say, it, it gets really ugly when we forget that. It gets really bad. When we act like Peter and see dimly and think we've got the full picture. Like when we think we know God and we know his story and we know his plans and we see just a little bit of it, but we, we become entitled and, and it gets ugly and it gets deadly. Can I share a, a story that I read earlier this week that just convicted me to the core? It's a story by 
a, a Bishop John Taylor when he was giving a lecture in 1977. He shares these two stories, one of St. Francis of Assisi, right? St. Francis had a strange meeting with the, uh, uh, the King Saladin, who was the king of uh, uh, the part of the Muslim world uh, many, many, many years ago. And when St. Francis and Saladin met, they had no common language. There was very little dialogue that they could share between them. And yet near the end of that conversation, Saladin is reported to have said, if I ever meet a second Christian like you, I would be willing to be baptized. But that will not happen. St. Francis, the one who's known for his love and his care for others. If I ever meet another one like you, I'd be willing to be baptized. Second story took place uh, almost 300 years later when a king in Peru said something very similar to St. Francis, yet horribly different. This friar accompanying an expedition of the conquistadors was offering the vanquished Incas the choice of conversion to our faith or death. When their king denied, his hands were cut off. And the appeal was then repeated. Be baptized and you will go to heaven. The king said, no, for if I went to heaven... I might meet a second Christian like you. Do you see the difference? How we live, how we love, how we serve, how we deny ourselves and live for the sake of others, it is the most important thing. It's the most important thing. It's the most important thing. One more story. A little more positive. Remember, uh, I don't even remember my timing is off, but the uh, tornado that hit Griffin uh, many months ago. Right? You remember the aftermath of that? Um, we, we had a team uh, that, that Saturday after it came through run down with a bunch of chainsaws and climbing on roofs and cutting off debris of a house that was nearly destroyed by a tree that fell down in that storm. And that was a a fun day. I came back with all my fingers, so it was a good day too. I didn't have a chainsaw in my hand then either. (laughs) But that was a good day. And and, and you may remember that that we as a a congregation partnered with the NALC. Uh, We we have been doing flood buckets and all kinds of things for uh, oh so long. And we reached out to our disaster response uh, crew that uh, is uh, in North Carolina. And some of the buckets and some of the resources that we had gathered and put together here, they go to the warehouse there, and, and that big truck, that U-Haul truck came, and it delivered. And we were unloading the, some of the buckets that we had loaded on earlier. Remember that? I love double-handling stuff. Um, but, but we had, like, after worship, we had almost the whole congregation in, in like 15 minutes, unload an entire U-Haul truck filled with supplies to go down to Griffin. It was remarkable. 
was beautiful. And then we had another team unload it at a, a, a disaster uh, place down in Griffin and, and help them and, and, and get things going. And it was, it was wonderful. And, and we as a congregation and we partnered with our denomination did some really good things. And as we were driving around and as we were partnering with uh, uh, the Go Day people, gathering to, uh, uh, oh my goodness, the gathering people, thank you, couldn't remember the name for a second, the gathering people, we partnered with them doing some things and it was great. And as we were driving around Griffin in those days, we, we drove past a men's shelter that was a homeless shelter for men that had been through difficult times and were trying to get their feet underneath them and, and, and their house was wrecked by the storm and all kinds of things and you know, in, in partnering with the gathering people, we, we, we supported them and we helped them in, in a variety of ways. They got some of our supplies. And it was great. And the, the guys that live there, they, they, they didn't really have a whole lot of time for Jesus. They didn't have a whole lot of heart for Jesus. They didn't really care. They were trying to get their lives back together. They'd been through some stuff. You've gone through some stuff. One of the pastors that's connected with the gathering people poured into them and connected with them and loved on them and walked with them and sat with them and just was present with them. That was months ago, and that pastor has continued to work with them. And, and while all of that is going on, we here at Prince of Peace and the amazing things that we do out, one of the things we're doing, and you've heard me about, talking about it, we're, we're converting our garage into a food pantry for the generations together so they can help feed some of the grandparents that are raising grandbabies that are on fixed incomes and don't have the money to buy the extra food for young mouths. And we've had some ups and downs with that process, but we're getting there. A week and a half ago, there was a team putting the flooring down in our garage. You know who they were? They were the men from the Griffin shelter that were here putting down floors. That's beautiful, isn't it? That's the power of God at work, isn't it? That, that's what it means to love people. Period. Love people. Love people. Not when it's convenient. Not when it works for you. Not when they look or act or fit into the various boxes that we continually are, are encouraged to put people in. God says, deny yourself. Love others. Bear the cross. Help. That, that's, that's the beauty of who Jesus is and what he does. That's incredible and powerful. And that's God at work in you and through you.
And it has an impact. Make no mistake. All of this is about Jesus. Everything is about pointing to Jesus and who he is and what he does through us. And the beauty is in those moments when we, by the grace of God, get to partner with him, he shows off. And it's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for who you are, for what you do, the impact you have. Let's keep following him together. In the name of Jesus, amen.